Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining a special podcast of Great Dynamics. Uh, we are continuing with our uh, review on the Modern Warfare gaming series. And I would like to give the word to Marcel, who's going to lead us like all the other podcasts into this uh, interesting story. Let's say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's let's say that. Michael's here as well. How are you doing, Michael? Killer. Killer. Witching hour over here, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's yeah. What is it like six a.m. in in, in Seattle? Five fifty-three. Yeah, yeah. Five fifty-three. Yeah. yeah. Nice. But yeah, so we're 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 concluding the the Modern Warfare trilogy. There's been more Modern Warfare games, but they sort of rebooted it. Um, you know, this this is the one that came out in, in 2011. I know you haven't played. Well, you played one Call of Duty game, Michael. But um, Ahmed, did you did you play Modern Warfare three at all when it came out? Do you even remember? No, I. Uh... <clears throat> I um uh, I played one and two. I haven't played three. Modern Warfare three. Yeah, I mean it, the hype the hype kind of died. Not not. I mean it was still like. I mean I'm saying that it broke a bunch of records for like pre sales and sales and stuff like that. But in terms of like the excitement over Call of Duty as like a new kind of fresh thing, you know, Modern Warfare three was sort of seen as like a, a point where it kind of peaked. Like it was starting to stagnate a little bit. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that after this they started going into like more futury stuff to try and to try and go in that direction. But like. You know, I don't even think I owned this one. Like, I was there as a teenager, like, night of, like, for Modern Warfare 2, as, like, a teenager, I was, like, you know, I was there at midnight getting the, the steel case version, because, you know, if you pre-ordered it, you'd get the nice get the nice steel case, where it was really hard to get the, the DVD out of, for some reason, like, way harder than a plastic one. Uh, for Modern Warfare 3, I think I Gamefly'd it. I don't even know if you guys if you guys had Gamefly, but that was, like, you know how Netflix used to be, like, DVDs? How Netflix would send you a DVD in the mail? And you can keep it for as yeah. long as you want, and then you'd send it back. Yeah, so GameFly was that, but for like Xbox games. Is that a US thing? Yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know if they brought it over. I don't know if um they, they brought it from civilized America to, to you know <laughs> uncultured <laughs> Europe. But <laughs> I've never heard of it, so probably not. Yeah, I mean you could it was it was actually pretty good. Like you I think I think I would get like two discs and, and like it was really good for like games, especially if you were like a teenager like me and you couldn't just buy every single game you wanted. You just get like you just get like two games running, um, and if it was like you know a seven or an eight out of ten, you could like take that risk without paying like sixty bucks. Um, so I think I think that's how I played this one. Because if you did it, if you set it so that it was the only one you could get a game like on launch, so I got like Skyrim on launch that way and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and then you didn't have to give it back, which I think was a big problem for them. I don't know if they're still around, but I don't, I don't know how well that financial model worked out for them. But but yeah, so that's how that's how I played. Uh, that's how I played. It. Although Michael, I heard you're playing the new Modern Warfare two. How's that going? I am. I, I have mostly played multiplayer to get mm-hmm. weapons for Warzone, <laughs> but Warzone is not the same as the first one. So I, I, I'm still getting used to it, but I don't think it's, it matters as much what your loadout. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know if you played Warzone, but you can call in your loadout. And yeah. if you have a good loadout from regular multiplayer, you can bring it in. But uh, the campaign I've barely touched and what I have touched of it, like, and it was mostly just from doing this podcast. I was like, you know, I'm going to try a Call of Duty campaign. I haven't really played one. And oh my gosh, mm-hmm. it was, it was a lot. Uh, <laughs> visually, it's stunning. I hear you kill Soleimani in this one. I did. I've only gotten like this, the, when they go to Amsterdam and it was like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Who's the guy with the crazy, like, like Civil War mustache? Is it like soap or, or oh, whatever? Price. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Captain Price. Yeah. He was like. He's like in a canal in Amsterdam and like uh like boonie cover, like all kitted <laughs> out. And I was like just I was just in Amsterdam like a month ago and, and I was thinking about how absurd it is. Like even if you were for some reason <laughs> in a canal in Amsterdam as an SAS guy, why would you be in, like there isn't any part of the city where you can do that and people aren't gonna be like, Oh wait, brav, like, you know, what are you what are you doing? <laughs> Like you know, put down the joint for a second and like peek around. Like yeah, I must yeah, I must be really high. I think I saw Captain Price down there. <laughs> you have to you have to get in. I have to defend my people here. Right? <laughs> well, everybody walks around with a joint uh, in Amsterdam. <laughs> if you remember, Michael, we met we met each other. I'm mostly talking about so the tourists. We met each other like that. I like know, a month yeah. ago. No, but apart. Yeah, yeah, you're 100 percent right. It is it is a thing with <laughs> tourists, but. You're 100% right. It, you would stick out like a sore thumb. On the other hand, people kind of like... It, the weather, like I haven't... I have the game. I haven't played it yet. But 
when I saw the the video of it on YouTube, I was like, if it's that kind of weather in Amsterdam, then definitely you cannot walk around like that. Also, one like, for example, London, it's a city with cameras everywhere, right? There's, there's cameras every corner. Yeah. So it's not like uh, you can just be like, I don't know. And I don't like to use the word gray man because I think that's also silly, but... I mean, he's lucky he didn't get hit by, like, a bicycle or... That was the one you know, thing that, that was be, missing. I think that would be the real That was the lane. one thing that was missing. More bicycles because yeah. they're everywhere. <laughs> uh, so good. Oh, man. Yeah, okay. So let's get, let's get into let's get into Modern Warfare 3 and, and, and get this... Uh, get, this, this, is the one, this is the one that I think... The other two, it was, like, nostalgia and they're, and they're fun enough games in and of themselves. This is the one where I didn't, like... I just didn't, like, have as much fun with, really... I mean, in, in, in like three or four games, Call of Duty went from like from a nice franchise, you know, from a from a niche franchise to like one of the top like selling games annually. And with Modern Warfare three, like like with Modern Warfare two, they wanted to make Modern Warfare two bigger than Call of Duty four, so they had to make Modern Warfare three, you know, even bigger, even louder, even more exciting than Modern Warfare two, uh, which which is like which is hard because in Modern Warfare two they like nuke the International Space Station and like blow up DC. Uh, and like you know, you stab people with like knives that you pulled from your chest and stuff like that. And and at the same time, you had like you had other pressures. I don't know if you guys played like Uncharted, but but that franchise was coming out around that time. Do you guys did you guys play those? No, I only know it just came on Steam. <laughs> mm. You should you should play Uncharted Four is awesome. I've never played it either. It's it's sort of it's it's like Indiana Jonesy, like especially Uncharted Two, which I think was coming out. Uncharted Two and Three were the ones coming out around here. It was like you're like. You know, you're fighting on like a train that's dangling off like the side of a cliff and stuff like that. Like it's 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 that sort of thing. So Call of Duty was like, you know, trying to like match that level of intensity, you know, and not only live up to like previous games, but like live up to like the broader zeitgeist of games at that time. I feel like I wasn't really tracking gaming much during the period that Call of Duty kind of mm-hmm. took off. And seeing what it is now with modern warfare and like the marketing where it's like, you know, come by Mountain Dew and you'll get like <laughs> in-game items come by like it's yeah. for real like burger king had a deal i actually was trying to like i made a fake account in mexico to try and do this <laughs> on my burner phone where you can get in mexico they have like a special deal where you like scan a thing a qr code and you get mm-hmm. like in-game stuff and i was legit like making like a burner mexican account and it didn't work <laughs> but i'm like this is so wild like the level of like cultural impact that this game has and yeah. I'm wondering, is this around the time where it started turning into what it is now, which is beyond just a franchise? It's like, a, I don't even know how to explain it, you know, like very capitalist, yeah. like every <laughs> infects all these other different areas of, of you know, Amer- yeah. at least for American culture. Like, yeah, 2000, 2000, 2009, 2011. That's definitely where you started seeing like Mountain Dew, like Code Red branded, like gamer stuff. I feel like especially they tied it into experience. Like you would have a double, you have a double experience, you know, token or whatever. And it'd be on the side of your Mountain Dew. Cause I guess they figured out that like, you know, that's what, that's what all the 12 year olds were drinking. Uh, so yeah, no, this is definitely, I mean, there was other promotions before and it's not like video games were like, you know, a, a, a niche revenue in the media market at that time. Their games were still selling millions and millions of copies. But like, I, I do think, I do think that like Call of Duty, I think, you know, before Fortnite, you know, I think Call of Duty was really like the, the thing that was like leeching its way into like every single other you know aspect of uh, of entertainment in a very real way. Uh, there was actually sure. there was an Onion article I forgot to mention this. There's an Onion article you can still find. It's like ten years old. The the satire site, and it's like ultra realistic Modern Warfare three. You know, has you you know sitting around for twelve hours smoking, digging latrines, like 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 the entire the entire thing was that it was so realistic that you weren't actually doing anything fun. Uh, as like a as a as a as a military portrayal, they decided to go in the opposite direction though, because this is like we'll get into this in a second, but this is like this is some bullshit. <laughs> I mean, the period that you're talking about, Marcel, is for me is the mm-hmm. is the period that I uh, that's when I started my my professional career in intelligence. So I spent mm. I think around that time is the first time I. I was in a place where, you know, you were constantly on edge and I couldn't even run a gaming computer. Uh, I couldn't even get one. 
let alone like run one because of the power, rolling power cuts. So it was, uh, I think I had a lot of, I have, I had modern warfare in real life on a daily basis. So it was not, <laughs> yeah. The only thing that I played was at the time that I, that I could take with me was FIFA on, uh, on the, uh, on the PSP. Mm. Oh yeah. That was the only thing. Yeah. FIFA on the PSP. I, I had friends who were playing like, uh, Star Wars on the PSP and yeah, that was, that was fun. They don't, they don't, they don't have that anymore. I guess they just have the switch now. And I think also culturally, FIFA is huge in 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 Europe, right? And in, in the Middle East, Asia, and oh, South yeah. America. I think it's I think it's consistently like one of the best selling. Mm-hmm. I think what you guys is more like Madden. Yeah, Madden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, sports games. I don't really have I don't really have a good optic on like for like Madden and stuff like that. Or um, for a while they're doing uh, college football games. But yeah, like like that was the biggest thing coming over to Europe. Is I was like everyone's playing FIFA all the time. Uh, and they're buying it annually and stuff like that. And that's sort of that's sort of the success that I think Call of Duty was looking to emulate, right? Was getting people to buy it every single year, uh, like a like a new car or, or like the FIFA like FIFA games, because um, that was before you could really yeah. update rosters online and stuff. It's like a carrot on the stick kind of model. Because I'm a, I'm a long time mm-hmm. World of Warcraft player since like it came mm-hmm. out in like 2004, and you know it's like they managed to make like they managed to convince people you should give us your money every month to play this game. And, you know, that, that model of, like, the psychology behind it, I, I see that now in Call of Duty. Actually, I was just thinking about the, this week. I was like, geez, you know, I can unlock this gun if I do this. And I can unlock And I'm like, <laughs> why do I even care? You know, like, <laughs> you know, like, what? and I don't, but mm-hmm. then I do. Because it's like, you know, having gold camo on your M4 makes you look like a cartel, like, you know, kind of like a guy. And, <laughs> like Saddam Hussein or something. You know, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Like a, like a proper Sicario. Sensationalist, yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah, no, it's especially like the the daily challenges, like the way that works, where they make you play. Like you got to play, you got to play every day to get that extra. You know, um, I I sort of I don't know. I was I, I think I'm lucky because I'm I'm a little bit I'm not I'm not immune to it by any stretch, but it's it's not something where I'm like you know jonesing for it if I miss like a week or so. Um, for sure. Same, although yeah. although yeah. for I don't know I don't know if you played Warzone like the first Warzone because this is Warzone like two point yeah. or something. But yeah, in the first totally. one, you had to play every day because otherwise, uh, otherwise it'd be a like four hundred gigabyte update. Yeah, uh, and you and you'd like yeah. get on to play with your friends, and you're like, "Oh, sorry, yeah. oh, sorry, yeah, like you have sure. I have to install one hundred and twenty gigabytes. Yeah. I'll be here in uh, yeah. two hours." Yeah, this one's half that, luckily. But, yeah, yeah. So I was it was like seventy, but but yeah. Um, all right, so let's let's get let's get into this. Let's get into this, this Modern Warfare Three. Let's let's put this. Let's do what Call of Duty does and kill all all the characters, uh, which is spoiler. It is where we're heading. Um, <clears throat> right. So, plot wise, right, we need to cast our minds back. You know, this game was made in 2011, but it's set in 2016. So, cast your mind back to 2016. You know, closer by the Chainsmokers is charting. Doctor Strange just came out. Russia unilaterally invaded DC and, and, and the US nuked them in response. We we ringing bells here. We we're in the right we're in the right mindset. Amazing. <laughs> that was a big time it was a big time for me. I was I was just graduating and then they just nuked DC. It was very bad for my my uh my uh, job prospects. Alright, so if we if we recall from the last game, right? Captain Price and Soap, they killed General Shepard and his and his mercenaries that appeared out of nowhere. And meanwhile, Makarov, who was the bad guy who wanted to, to stoke a confrontation between Russia and NATO uh, through, through doing terrorist acts like shooting up the airport, he escapes um, because, because Captain Price and so, you know, threw a knife into a U.S. general's eye. Uh, they're both now international criminals. That's something that's sort of floating in the background and it explains why they're doing a lot of what they're doing. And then Russia has magically invaded the U.S. by surprise uh, and the U.S. has taken back Washington, D.C., but, but the invasion is not over yet. So, so this game starts, you know, Modern War- uh, Call of Duty 4 to Modern Warfare, there's like a five-year gap. This one starts just right after. Uh, so Soap, so Soap still ha- is still suffering from having been stabbed in the chest. Um, there's a short flashback thing uh, where Price and Soap, you know, they escape to northern India with their friend Nikolai, and, and he's getting medical treatment. So, like, put a pin in that. That's, that's just, you know, a quick, a quick like, cut scene with how it starts. Uh, and then we cut to some new characters who are uh, Delta Force guys in the New York area. Uh, the, Russians have, the Russians have invaded New York. And by New York, I really just mean like lower Manhattan because they don't show the rest of New York and we have no idea what's going on beyond that. 
Uh, but they're they're assigned to disable a Russian jamming tower that was stuck on top of the New York Stock Exchange. Um, and because the jamming tower is there, the U.S. can't, you know, <laughs> airstrike lower Manhattan, I guess, and mess up, you know, Russia's landing there. Not going to go into the weeds of how, like, electronic warfare works. But I will say, like, if you know where it is, you know, you don't need to use an airplane. You can use conventional artillery or, or a ballistic missile or something to, to, to level the static target, especially if the idea is that you're going to bomb the hell out of it anyway. Um, but it's weird that the whole thing's like a single point of failure. Um, so yeah, you're one of these Delta Force guys. Uh, you shoot up a bunch, of, a bunch of Russians on your way to the stock exchange. Uh, and the entire time, like your Delta guys keep forgetting what mission they're on. Like three to five times within five minutes, they're like, hey, where are, where are our communications? Like, where's our air support? And they're like, oh no, they're, they're jammed. And they're like, oh yeah, that's why we're blowing up the jamming tower. Like this happens like five times just to remind you, like, this is a jamming tower. That's, that's like the premise of the mission. <laughs> Uh, so you shoot your way through the trading floor of the stock exchange, like the famous one from, uh, you know, like if you've seen financial movies or, or like Wall Street or anything like that, it's like the, that busy trading floor of the stock exchange. You have a big shootout there. Uh, you get to the roof and you blow up the antenna uh, in typical Call of Duty fashion. Uh, com- your command is like, uh, yeah, we're going to send a helicopter to come get you, even though the area is like not safe at all. Uh, and they also give you a predator drone, which I guess was just chilling above New York, just being jammed the entire time. No link to a ground control station. So anyways, um, I don't know about you guys, but like I was not like New York. New York has been blown up in so many like video games and movies and stuff that it, it like it like had no impact on me at, at all. Like, I don't know if you guys have played like Spider-Man games or or any of those, but those all take place in New York. So it's like a very it's very familiar to see like New York getting getting messed up or like um, even at this time, like. Even at this time, like some of the like infection based stuff, like, like, like things where you're like a superhero or there's some kind of massive infection. It's all in New York, like the division and stuff like that. So wasn't really feeling that. Yeah. So you get on, you get on your Blackhawk, uh, you have a, you have an action sequence. that's really dumb. Your command tells you you're going to go as the Delta forces, you're going to go link up with Navy SEALs to go destroy the entire Russian fleet, which is all parked in New York Harbor. And they're parked like, they're parked like bumper to bumper. You know they're do- they're they're at dock like just within sight of each other. I'm not I'm not I'm not entirely sure that's how naval operations work, but they're like right next to each other. You know you have some hijinks. You get this briefing that you know after after the jamming after you blow up the jamming tower, the U.S. Air Force flew right over the entire Russian fleet. And by right over, I mean like a thousand feet. Like you can see them. Like they're stealth fighters, but like if a Russian sailor was like looking up, they could like see them. So like the worst angle. And they just blew up, like, blew up half of New York. They dropped, like, eight J-dams on it, uh, which is, like, for, for a heavily populated area, that is a ton of explosives. And this apparently just, the only Russians left are, are the, ones on, the ones on boats, right? So, so you, have to go, you have to go blow them up. The plan for you and the Navy SEALs is you're going to seize a Russian submarine, and then you're going to use the cruise missiles on the Russian submarine to blow up the entire Russian fleet. Uh, which, which again, are all just sitting around in the harbor, like not doing anything, not shooting at airplanes that are flying right above them. This is where this is where it just hard cuts, and you get into scuba gear, and you use a seal delivery vehicle. Did you write? Did you write on seal delivery vehicles like the the submersibles, like that Dev Guru use? It's like a it's like a portable like little submarine thing. It's like a man portable submarine. Like you hang on to the side of it, and it goes. I want to say it's in it's in it's in one of the our pieces. Someone's mm. probably touched. I haven't personally. Um, mm. That sounds like something it would that would be in one of them. Hmm. Well, there's been a couple on different, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, because it was like yeah, a, it was like it's like they have like a whole SDV like team. Yeah, there's like yeah. SDV like uh, whatever numerical unit kind of designator. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. so it's one of those, like, and yeah, and it's like a it's like a science fictiony, it's like a science fictiony version of it. Like it has a sonar. It's got like you know, it's got a lot of Call of Duty stuff like bells and whistles added onto it that, that, you know, if they are in the real thing, it's probably really classified or something. And, and so, and so you, you, you basically, you basically roll up on this like Russian submarine that's just hanging out there. Uh, and, and you just plant some explosives on it. Um, and, and the point of the explosives is not to blow your way into the submarine. What it does is it forces the submarine to surface. So you then go up to it uh, you then, you then, you know, get get on the submarine now that's surfaced. The crew, for some reason, decides to like pop out with rifles because they know exactly what's happening. You jump. You you use the fact that they open the door to jump inside. You like shoot up all the sensitive electronics and you set the missiles to launch against the fleet. 
uh, and then you jump out, you escape on some. So you've set the yeah. So you've set the helicopter. You've set the uh, submarine uh, to launch all of its cruise missiles and destroy the entire Russian fleet. Uh, and so and so you guys just hop hop out of the submarine and you hop onto um, rigid inflatable boats. I think they're Zodiacs. Uh, and bing bang boom, mission over. America saved the the missiles. You know they they somehow all hit the Russian fleet exactly where you want them to. Uh, and you've you've saved you've done it. You saved New York. Uh, the 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 start of the next mission shows that like all the Russian forces that landed along the East Coast, they're just like skedaddling. They're just like leaving, which is which is very funny considering how much they like invested into this secret surprise attack on on the U.S. mainland. Um, so you put a, you put a pin in that. You cut back to Captain Price, um, and his friend and his friend Nikolai, the the Russian guy. Uh, they're they're treating soaps injuries. He's still believe it or not, it takes more than like twelve hours to get over a, a knife a knife wound to the chest. I did not. I did not know this, but apparently it does. And Captain Price is like, you know, I need your, I need your best man. And Nikolai's like, oh, you have to get Yuri. You know, he's the only man who hates Makarov more than you, and like doesn't elaborate on on why he might hate like Makarov, the big bad guy. Uh, and so for for all of these, like you're playing as this new guy Yuri, who's just like this random Russian guy. Anyways, uh, Makarov has found. The hiding spot that that you that you and and Price and Soap and Nikolai's guys are hiding in, which is apparently just in northern India. Uh, so he attacks it with like helicopters and drones and like hundreds of guys. Even though the Indian military would probably like have some very severe issues with with hundreds of. So so you you know you you guys all need to escape this compound in India. Uh, so you drag a wounded Soap through the town with the help of a of a UGV actually, which is implied to be some kind of like. 80s retro Soviet like uh, unmanned ground vehicle even though like no <laughs> nothing like this like it, like there were like radio controlled drones that the Soviets had in the 80s but they definitely didn't have like a minigun and like an automatic grenade launcher on it with with unlimited minigun rounds but only 20 grenades for some reason I guess I guess players kept using the grenades instead of the minigun or something and the developers decided to give them unlimited bullets anyways nothing else really happens here um, you escape safely. Makarov is bad. We are good. You know, congratulations. People definitely don't get away in the next mission, though. Uh, and this is one of those those like big plot defining missions um, where now you're playing as a as a Russian FSO officer escorting the president of Russia. Uh, the Russian FSO is sort of like the like secret service, like internal security guys. Uh, so you're escorting the Russian president uh, as he flies to peace talks with the U.S. vice president in Hamburg, which is a little weird because. Like Hamburg is a NATO country, and therefore it's not like neutral ground, and it's not like Switzerland, right? Like you're like the Russian president's flying into an enemy country. Um, but anyways, uh, you're you're sort of standing around, and the president's like sitting down with his advisors, and he's saying a bunch of like generic crap, like you know we need to seek peace, and you know we destroy our enemies when we make peace with them, which like it's kind of late for that. Like you just invaded, like you just invaded the mainland United States, like. Like, were you not 100% committed to it when you, like, launched half your military there? Um, it's just it's just hard to portray, like, this guy is, like, a peacenik, right, like, right after he did this giant invasion. But fortunately for my, like, mental health, uh, this conversation is, like, interrupted by a hijacking. So you as, you as you know, part of the bodyguard, you're, you're getting the president to a safe area of the plane. Um, but the whole thing, like, goes to hell. Uh, the pilots of the plane try and do an emergency landing, which, like, crashes the plane and, like, the most spectacular, like the, the 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 tail end of the plane, like falls off the back, and like guys are getting pulled out of it and stuff like that. It's a very it's a wild action sequence. So you you, you stagger around with the rest of the bodyguards in the wreckage, like trying to find the president. Um, you get him, and and like the uh, like a rescue helicopter. You're apparently still in Russia, but like a rescue helicopter arrives. But you know, guess what? You know the the guy in the helicopter is Makarov, the big bad guy, and he just like he just like shoots you and the rest of the bodyguards. And then just takes the president hostage, and he's like, "You must give me the nuclear codes." And the president's like, "I won't do that." Uh, and then, and then it cuts away. So I guess put a pin in that. That like, <laughs> there's a slight issue with uh, who has access to nuclear weapons in Russia. Uh, so we're back with we're back with Price and Soap and Yuri again, and they're like, and they're like, "Oh, we need to go to Sierra Leone because like one someone told us that Makarov is smuggling some kind of package into Europe via West Africa." Which is which is true for like drugs, Ahmed. I don't I don't know if it's I don't know if it's stuff other than drugs that that takes that sort of Americas to to West Africa to to upwards into Europe route. It's mainly drugs. 
I don't think weapons really go through that route. Yeah, it's mainly drugs and fake medication, perhaps. But uh, they also come from China, so that would not be the the easiest the easiest way to get in. So um, yeah, I think you're pretty spot cool. on on that. <laughs> I don't think Sierra Leone is one of yeah. the entry countries, though. Yeah, well, it's 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 very clear from uh, from this mission that that uh, they don't really know a lot about Sierra Leone because uh, it's it's basically like the laziest like blood diamond portrayal of Africa. Like everything's like run down and on fire and rusted. There's like there's like they they traded out like the for most of the game you fight if there's a dog in it in the franchise it's a German Shepherd and they just traded that out for like a generic model of like African wild dogs from like Animal Planet. Um, it's just like. There's like militia guys firing guns in the air and just like running around and like in like rusty technicals. It's just really lazy. Like I said, like like uh, they did uh, they did Sierra Leone dirty here, um, <clears throat> but nothing really happens in this mission. Like you run around looking for the package and you get to the helicopter where the package is and oh no, it like left at the last minute. Uh, so so there's a mystery about you know what's in this package and and where it's going. Um, the next mission kind of gets more into that. It starts with and this is actually the only like intelligency intelligence part of the franchise so far that I was actually a little bit excited about because what it has is it has French intelligence um, picking up a, a, like a cell phone conversation about the package heading to London and then French intelligence shares it with MI6 and then MI6 shares it with MI5 and then MI5 calls the SAS to come like intercept these packages but they don't know exactly where they are so I guess they just dump it all on, on the SAS's lap and they're like eh, you know we're an intelligence agency but we're not like that smart like you know you go find them this would be a, a great entrance for, uh, and we wrote an article about that. We got a little bit of pushback on the increment mm. or uh, E-Squadron, which is uh, seconded to MI6. And well, they are basically the most like secretive of the, uh, of the SAS. And I think these guys would be the most logical, but I don't think they make any distinguished mm. uh, distinctions in this game. Yeah, yeah, I think I think they're trying to toe the line between like cool stuff and cool stuff that you recognize, you know. So they so they know people are aware of the of the SAS, but you know the the more the more factual you get, the more uh, the less badass it gets, you know. Um, so you play, yeah. So you're you're the SAS here, and you have this like massive giant gunfight in and around London, like the the docks area. Um, for some reason, it's only the SAS. You'd think they'd call maybe like the cops or something because it's already like it's already in the UK. Um, you could you could block off this whole area if you wanted to, but you have this like lengthy shootout. You're like, for some reason, there's a tube station that goes straight from this dock to to Westminster. So you like you're like in you're in like the the train, the underground train, the subway trains, and you're like you're like shooting at each other from different trains, and like you're passing platforms with just like passengers in there, and you have to like not shoot them. Uh, it's pretty wild, um, but you ultimately you ultimately get to. You know, you ultimately get to Parliament, and there's still, like, a bunch of tourists there anyway. Like, the cops are just holding them back, even though we have no idea what's in these packages. Um, and you ultimately stop one truck, like, 15 feet from, like, the, the Parliament building. Um, but there's still three others. Um, and the way they show what's in it, what's in, these, what's in these packages, is they cut to, like, an American tourist family in London. Like, you know, like, half a mile from Big Ben. Which, like, guys, there's a war in the U.S., like they're like, oh yeah, it's day three of our vacation. I'm like, where'd you fly from? Because like New, like New York and DC are like occupied. You know, maybe maybe yeah, but you know maybe they're Canadians, and I was and I was mistaken here. But anyways, one of the trucks one of the trucks pulls up next to you in the background and detonates. The explosion itself kills your entire family, including your 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 young daughter. This is this is sort of they were trying to replicate the Modern Warfare Two controversy with the airport shooting. But it doesn't really work here because I already know that, like, you already know the terrorists are bad, you, you know? And you could tell that it was just, you could tell that it was just trying to shock you for the sake of shocking you. There wasn't really any, like, real value to it. Um, but but after the explosion, you see, like, as the camera fades out, you see, like, green gas. So the implication there is that this is, like, a chemical attack, like a CBRN attack. I don't really, I don't know how many chemical weapons actually use generic like green smoke, and they never explain what gas it is. I guess they they just like wrote it off. You know, they tried to explain it at one point, and they decided it was too complicated. And they're like, you know what? People know what gas is. You know, they they've heard of World War One. So this is where it gets. This is this is this is this is where we get to like the main conflict here, which is that. 
So Makarov did Makarov did these chemical attacks, and it turns out he did them all over Europe. Like it shows it shows like Paris, you know, Berlin, you know, Warsaw, all these places, chemical attack. And then simultaneously, the the Russian military, which I guess is fine after like taking a big L, like trying to invade America, uh, invades Europe. Uh, so there's a, there's a, there's there's a, there are chemical attacks in the cities that that aren't very effective at stopping a, a European military, but but the the Russians invade at the same time, and and you know they, uh, yeah, and and like the Russian president wasn't there to order this invasion, and he seemed to be on like the peace train. So I don't know how they planned it this quickly, but nevertheless, uh, you guys will be happy to know that like from the, from Call of Duty Four, like the failure to understand the geography of the Middle East there and how fast militaries can move there. Like also applies here to Europe. Uh, like in the first few days, like Russia has simultaneously like gone from their border to like Berlin, Paris, and Hamburg, uh, which is where which is where the subsequent missions take place. Which is why they're there. But it's just like that's fast, man. That's that's a really that's a really quick advance. Well, we've seen that that's not very possible. Yeah, maybe the same same doctrine as the three days of taking over Ukraine. Yeah, I mean it would be like yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean in a couple days, in a couple days it would be like. Th- like three three times farther, like getting from the Russian border to Kiev, you know, is is like at least is is what we're talking about here. Um, so yeah, so the deltas the deltas from New York, the ones who you know saved the day and blew up uh, the entire Russian navy, uh, get sent to Hamburg um, because the the vice president of the U.S. was in Hamburg because that's where the Russian president was going. That's where they were going to have the big peace summit. Um, yeah, so you, you fight through the you know you fight through the city of Hamburg, which I, I've never been, but it looks like Hamburg, I guess. You know, it's like a European city, wide streets. You know, it's you know, there's a series of action you know set pieces that offend the rational mind, and you you know you grab the vice president, who the Russians are like about to execute, which seems like a bad move. That seems like a valuable hostage, but whatever. Like they like literally like there's like a Russian sergeant with like a gun to the vice president's head, and it's like, do you have the authority to like <laughs> to be executing this guy? But you shoot that guy, you know, you grab the vice president, mission accomplished, you know, we did it. We got the, we got the, like, eighth most important person in the U.S. government, the vice president. Right. So, put a pin in that. Then we go back to Price Soap and Yuri again, who, who, you know, after, after the failure at Sierra Leone, they decide to just, like, cold call the SAS headquarters, even though they're, like, all wanted criminals. And they're and they're like, we want you know all the intel about how Makarov got the chemical weapons. And the SAS is like, oh yeah, sure, we'll tell you. Like over this cell line that's pinging off you know three towers in eight hundred different countries. Yeah, we'll we'll tell you. Um, like their their SAS's lead is that um, is that uh, they point him to a Somali warlord in Bosaso in uh, in in Somalia named Warabe. So that's that's where this mission happens. And they spell they spell Bosaso, by the way, this is a side point, but they spell it like two different ways, which is so accurate. Because if there's like if there's like a way that like Western military and intelligence people can spell like a non-Latin alphabet word two different ways, they will. Like, you know, if there's two ways to spell Bosaso, if there's three ways to spell Mogadishu, like they'll spell they'll spell them all like totally wrong. It's inevitable. Um and, and Ahmed, I had you I had you watch this particular mission. Um did you did you find this authentic to the to the Bosasso experience? <laughs> is this what a is this what a va- is this what a vacation in Bosasso is like? Well, sorry, I mean, <laughs> uh, one thing. This is my main pet peeve when I look at movies that they don't portray Somalis accurately. So they use a generic Africans, and often it's West yeah. Africans and Somalis and West Africans or Nigerians, for example. They look very different. Mm. Um, so that's funny. Uh, and lazy too. Uh, um, I also think that the port looks way too advanced to be Bosaso for that time. <laughs> oh yeah, right. it wasn't that developed at the time. Uh, and I might be wrong, but from what I from what I know, now it's a bit different. Now it got a lot of investments, but so that I don't really understand. I think also that the buildings. I mean, I think they they took like a generic Middle Eastern town and then transported that to Bosaso. Uh, yeah, that's so far like <laughs> what I had, like my initial what reaction. About to Does it. everyone wear berets? Sorry, <laughs> the berets? Wear berets. Yeah, they don't. 
They don't wear berets. No, no, no. no, no. That's like the generic African warlord thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny. It's funny that you say. It's funny that you say that they. The, in, in terms of like the difference between West Africans and, and Somalis, because the, the the Sierra Leonean, you know, the, the Sierra Leone, Sierra Leonean, right? Those those militia guys. They looked a lot like the Brazilians from Modern Warfare Two, to the point where I think they might have just reused some of them. Like they took out they took out the Brazilians that weren't wearing the soccer shirts, and they kept the ones in like fatigues. And they were like, "Congratulations, you're now the Sierra Leone militia." Uh, like I'm, I'm like ninety percent sure that's what happened. So I wouldn't be surprised if they did, if they did the same thing. Because like half this game, half this game takes place in like, you know, like Western European towns, right? And there's a ton of detail in that. And then for Sierra Leone and Somalia, they're like, ah, you know, just looks like a, it just looks like you know, this is some buildings, right? There's some Africans there. Like like the the, the level of like interest in what these places are like is is dramatically different. Which like I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand like why they do that i can tell you why they do that you know uh, (laughs) oh yeah 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 because you know what it is i think at the end Uh, of the day well they would tell you we have a certain amount of budget people will understand people will want to know how or will recognize london and washington dc and new york but they have no understanding of Sierra Leone or somalia right uh, so you can tell them anything, pretty much. I think most people, uh, young people playing that game, they would think it's realistic, probably. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I so. mean, their only exposure would be like Hollywood or like Far Cry 2. If you ever played Far Cry 2, that was the one that really? took place in. It took place <laughs> in Africa, quotes, unquote. You know, the, the, the entire nation of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, it kind of, it seems like they perpetuate a lot of like stereotypes in America about africa like through their through their art you know through this like piece of electronic art where it's like they have a chance to like maybe do some good and it's like this game that's like huge like cultural piece Mm. you know and instead it's like it just caters to this like super i don't want to say um america first kind of like we're Mm. you know we're great and like all these other countries suck (laughs) kind of like you know that whole quote-unquote whole country kind of mentality that people have about africa but it's like if you i was just looking on google pictures of this place and it's so beautiful you know it's got like the the, like colorful architecture same with like mogadish i've never been there i know ahmed you know we've obviously been there but it seems like it's just like got some beautiful architecture and stuff and like and they have a chance to use their platform to like kind of you know maybe kind of show that but instead they just did, like show it as just like this place that has no hope yeah. you know it's not to get all philosophical it's like a backdrop right pseudo philosophical yeah it's it's yeah it's like a backdrop right it's like it's like these are places where we're like we're like it's like a different locale it's like oh we've changed up the scenery where like western people do stuff um and uncharted's kind of yeah. like that as well but uh they're a little bit better because they're they're sort of talking about in that game they're talking about like ancient civilizations and stuff like that so at least you have the like oh yeah like there's actually a massive underground city under like, you know, Yemen or wherever he is at that point in time. But, but yeah, no, it's, it's definitely not just a call of duty issue. And I would, I would at some point like to do like a whole episode on how Africa is like portrayed in, in, in a lot of these games. Cause I think that's, uh, that would be, that's an interesting topic. I will go, I will go as far and say some big cities in, in Africa, um, in, in different countries look better than some parts of Europe. Um, mm-hmm. um, like, and you know, people might not like want to hear that, but that's, that's definitely America, I would say that. I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not, you know. I mean, to be fair with you if, you, if you compare Cape Town with Detroit, for example, <laughs> right, I think. Yeah, or like, yeah, or like, especially, yeah, especially, yeah. especially like all the like post-industrial stuff, like especially mm-hmm. the out, the outskirts of Detroit or like Gary, Indiana, mm-hmm. or like uh, Flint, you know, a lot of the Ru- Flint, yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of the Rust Belt, um, yeah, and and you know, going into the South, like the Holler, you know, um, I think it's really it's really only um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's really only Grand Theft Auto that that uh, that, that correctly identifies uh, you know those sorts of areas is, is sometimes a war zone. But yeah, so yeah, so going back to going back to going back to this, we're in you know the lovely the lovely massive uh, thriving port of Bosaso under the control of uh, one lone warlord uh, named Warabe. So you attack the compound, 
you know, you kill all those guys, you get to him, uh, you you torture him, uh, you know, he tells you he tells you like he never actually worked with Makarov, you know, he worked with uh, a Makarov affiliate in Paris. I mean, one thing I just wanted to add to Warabe uh, means hyena in Somali. <laughs> Does it actually? Well, so it's like it's like an insult to be called that. To be fair with you. <laughs> But but there are people that have that nickname. They exist. Mm. Yeah, but they, they were they made it sound like it was like his name. You know what I mean? Like Johnson. Yeah. Like my name's no. Dave Hyena. That's that's no <laughs> way a given name that one. Okay. Okay. Because because usually like usually especially especially in these kinds of things you know if if you have a if you have a nickname that's like an animal like they'll translate it. they'll be like oh this is the hyena they call him they call him the jackal you know but uh, I guess a missed opportunity. Give you a little bit of a puzzle. Yeah, I mean, in Somalia, nicknames are very common. Almost everybody mm. has one, right? Uh, and, and some stick, some don't, but it's like the former president of Somalia um, was called uh, Mohamed Farmaggio, or cheese, mm. you know, it, 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 Italian, <laughs> uh, which actually his dad was called that because he loved cheese. <laughs> you know? Uh, I mean, honestly, in terms of nicknames, like between hyena and like I love cheese, like I'll take the latter every time. You know? <laughs> but yeah, so so you 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 torture this guy by like setting off like you set off a chemical container like next to him, uh, and like tell him you won't give him a gas mask until he tells you everything he knows. Which is I don't know I I forgot I forgot to uh, to update the war crimes counter, but we're like we're ticking up here. Um, and he's like, oh, I never dealt with, like, Makarov himself. You know, I dealt with his affiliate in Paris. You know, Christ then just, like, shoots him before, like, checking if that's, like, true or not. Which, I don't know, like, war crime number seven or whatever. Um, and, you know, you guys escape by, like, shooting your way through. Oh, yeah, a sandstorm comes. You shoot your way through the sandstorm against, like, bad guys who, like, presumably these bad guys have nothing to gain by stopping you from leaving. Because, like, you just rolled in and shot their boss. Like, what, I'm also going to, like, not let these guys leave? You know, uh, I don't. I don't really know the uh, the typical behavior of like a warlord's personal militias, but you know, seems a little out there. So now you have a lead, right? Makarov's Makarov's associate is in Paris, uh, and he's the guy who like dealt with the chemical weapons. So so Price Price, unbeknownst to us, Price just knows the deltas that you were playing uh, earlier. Like they just happen to know each other from I don't know, like around the special forces water cooler or something. Uh, so so he just like calls them. Uh, and sends this info to them, uh, and apparently the French were already on it. Like, like in the middle of this like massive Russian invasion, French special forces have been sent to get this like one lone terrorist guy, which like bigger fish to fry, right? But you know they're French, so they've been bogged down. You know, so you so you have to go, you have to like fly in. Uh, so yeah, so you fly in, you fly in, you save the uh, you save the French uh, special forces. You know, uh, you you chase the then you chase like the Makarov associate through the streets of Paris in like another like mind numbing action sequence that doesn't really mean anything, uh, and then you capture him. Right. So now you have to get out of Paris, and this is the next mission. You have to get out of Paris in the middle of this invasion, and like <laughs> the briefing is like the the president of the United States. He's like personally, he's like, we got to get Makarov, and I'm like, dude, like we're we're in World War Three right now. Like Makarov, Makarov's done his thing already. He's not going to start World War Three again. But then he's, like, personally, like, give these Deltas everything they need, which is just an excuse for you to, like, call in, like, A-10s throughout the mission and, like, uh, AC-130s and stuff. Yeah, so you end up trapped on the Pont... This is... I, I looked this up. It's Pont d'Iena, which is a, which is the bridge in Paris, which is which is right in front of the uh, Eiffel Tower. And you're, you're trapped on that bridge. There's a bunch of Russians there. And the Air Force does so many airstrikes, like, to support you that they collapse the Eiffel Tower. Like, and so the Eiffel Tower, like collapses like right in front of you like you know uh, seems like a theme it, which i mean personally i think yeah. i think it's kind of overrated so i wouldn't really be so yeah, well the eiffel tower you might want to edit that you might want to edit that i don't want like french yeah, yeah, people yeah. to come at me when this goes to a global broadcast we'll be sure i guess uh, i guess americans yeah. either since i've been roasting i don't know i was just i was I, my wife and i went there over the summer and i was like i mean it's cool yeah. but I was more into like the Louvre or like, you know, the other, like, I don't know. I know it's a sidebar thing, but I mean, to be, to be fair, I would have, I would have absolutely hated it if this mission had you go through the Louvre and you like walk by the Mona Lisa and you're like, Oh, you know, that would have, that would have, that would have infuriated me. Like you already, in this one, you go through, 
like the Paris catacombs nice. for like five seconds. Like I guess that's what they figure. They figure like the cool things about Paris are like the catacomb and the Eiffel Tower, and there's nothing else in Paris to see. Which, which, yeah, not not quite. Um, they also they also falsely claim like I think this is just a script writing issue, but they claim to be south of the Eiffel Tower when this bridge is in fact uh, the to the northeast of it. You know, I'm not saying I'm not saying they should have checked it, but it did take me like Amazing. five seconds Amazing. to like make sure. <laughs> But but yeah, so so I don't know if they went to Paris, but uh, but if they did, you know, tut tut. Um, but yeah, so unlike the Eiffel Tower, you are now you are now saved. You know, mission over. You've done it. You've uh, you've got the lead. Um, the Delta guys, you know, they they interrogate him, and he looks he looks pretty peed up. So I guess that's another like another uh, another torture sequence that they didn't show. But basically, they learn from this affiliate that Makarov, the main bad guy, is meeting with with all his guys in Prague. Um, so the Deltas tell Captain Price and, and Yuri and Soap this, so they all sneak into Prague, which is which is apparently like actively being occupied by Russian forces, but also there's like a massive like civilian uprising happening at the same time. So it's like a pretty a pretty messy pretty messy place to uh, to hold your secret bad guy conclave meeting. But regardless, you go there to try and assassinate him. Um, as you might expect from Call of Duty, this goes awry. Um, because Makarov is like Makarov basically turns into like the Joker from Batman in this movie. Like he's like he's like always one step ahead of us. He's like always got a plan. Um, and because he so so he knew all along you'd come to get him. And uh, and like he he talks to you guys over the radio to like antagonize you. And he calls he calls Yuri the guy you're playing his old friend over the radio. And Soap's like what the hell? Uh, but you you don't have time to like get into that. So they y'all run away. Uh, Soap gets extremely injured during this, so you, you guys like make it to a safe place to treat him. Uh, unfortunately for Soap, it is too late. He he sort of he succumbs to his wounds here. But before he dies, his his last words to Price are like, you know, to let him know that like Yuri knows Makarov, and then he and then he like collapses. And so um, you know, Price is Price is a little miffed about this. You know, watching his uh, watching his best bud die uh, right in front of him, and then getting told that like. You know, maybe this other guy who's been with them through a couple of missions might be like an inside man or something. Uh, so, so he, you know, he he's calm about it though. He throws you down the stairs, like a flight of stairs, and then he sticks a Desert Eagle in your face. Uh, gotta gotta get that gotta get that brand recognition for the Desert Eagle, and basically says like, you know, explain yourself. Um, so as as confusing as it's been so far, right? This is where it gets even stupider and adds a ton of plot holes. So just you know, stay with me. You know, ask any questions if you're curious, right? Uh, it turns out that Yuri was in the ultranationalist group with Makarov through like every single major event of the last two games. Like he's like in the in the sniper mission where you shoot uh, Zakayev in the '90s in Chernobyl. Like he's he's they're both there and they like watch the Zakayev, the bad guy from the first game, get his arm blown off. Uh, he's like he's like there for the nuke in Call of Duty Four. Where he's like horrified that like Makarov like Makarov apparently detonated the nuke or something, so he's like, "Wow, like what a fall from grace!" Like I thought this guy was like, you know, a, a run of the mill Russian far right ultra nationalist, and now it turns out he's also a mass murderer. Um, so so at some point like, at some point there, Yuri starts like informing on on Makarov like to authorities and stuff like that. Um, and so Makarov finds out about this and shoots Yuri like. Like right before he does the airport shooting, like he's in the clothes for the airport shooting, and he just like he just like shoots Yuri right there, which is like another loose end. Like ev- evidence evidence wise, like if a member of the terrorist group is is at the is at the airport that you're trying to pin on another country, that's probably not good for your uh, for your forensics. But but yeah, so so yeah, so Yuri has some issues with Makarov on account of like him murdering a bunch of people and also shooting him in the chest. Uh, and Captain Price is like. Uh, okay, I totally trust you now, but I'm going to be kind of like an asshole to you for the next couple of missions. Like whenever whenever Price talks to you as Yuri, like from this point on, he's just like kind of mean for no reason. Like he like, he still trusts him and he's still like turning his back to him and stuff like that, but he's just meaner now. Like that's the only character thing that's come out of this. Um so yeah, so Price and Yuri, now that now that that whole drop personal drama sorted, Price and Yuri call the SAS again. And this time, instead of sensitive intel, they just demand a bunch of guns and explosives. They're like, they're like, send us guns and explosives because I used to work for the SAS. And they do this because they think Makarov might be at this castle that's near Prague uh, that apparently the ultranationalists have used for years. But the Czech government was like, eh, you know, what's what's one like massive armed compound with hundreds of guys? You know, we got them all over. Um, you know, so you sneak in. 
Makarov's not there, but you find out this is where you find out that like Makarov has the president. And and the president's like not giving up the nuclear codes. He's being a champ about all this. And basically Makarov's like, Well, I'm gonna find your daughter. And then when I have, you know, a gun to your daughter's head, then you'll give me the nuclear codes. And the president's like, Oh no. You know. Uh so so that's where they leave things. And 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 the SAS are like or not SAS, um Price and Yuri are like, Oh man. So they escape and they and they tell uh they tell the Delta about this, right? Delta forces. Uh, and they go and they, they find the daughter because she has her cell phone on and she's just like in a hotel in Berlin. Uh, and so, and so they track her phone, they like triangulate it and they just call her like, like, you know, zero, zero, you know, plus four, four or whatever. Um, and she like, she like picks up the phone on this unsecured line and she just like tells like the Delta forces where she is just like, no, no, like opsec, nothing like that. She's like, yeah, I'm in this hotel. I'm in this room. Come get me. All my security is dead, and the Russians are after me. Um, so yeah, so the Deltas they fight through Berlin, and there's a bunch of like action scenes that don't move the plot forward. And at the last second, like they're about to get her, but much like the package, the bad guys like drag her into a helicopter and they escape. So now, so now the bad guys have Makarov has both the president of Russia and the daughter. It didn't occur to them, by the way, to go after like the president who's been taken hostage, who has the nuclear codes. They were like, we got to rescue the daughter because then. The president, who we don't care about, can't give the codes, you know. But, anyways, uh, the, it turns out. So it turns out the daughter was taken to this like Siberian diamond mine. This is we're kind of approaching. This leads to the end of the game here. You know, the daughter was taken to the Siberian diamond mine. It's one of those big open air ones where it's sort of like a it's sort of like a cone. You know what I mean? Like the hole is widest at the top, and then at the very bottom, it's very narrow. Um, and they find out the president might be there as well. So, you know, the, Del- the Deltas and Captain Price and Yuri finally link up, you know, for the first time in the game, and they, and they go to fight through this, this giant mine. Um, they grab the daughter, and the president's there as well, so they just, like, grab him as an aside. I guess the daughter's more important, uh, <laughs> because they don't really make a big mention of the president. Uh, but there's, there's so many bad guys, and, and you know, they're, they're trying to escape in a helicopter that the, that the Deltas decide, you know, that we're going to stay behind and, you know, get the, get the daughter out of here. Uh, and so, so yeah, so you leave them behind in this like collapsing mine to like die and you, and you just leave. Um, this would be very sad if these characters had like any personality at all besides like gruff, you know, it was, it's really, it's, it's, it's not at all like an emotional scene at all. Um, even though Captain Price is like pretty upset about it. Uh, like I, I was just like, okay, what, like whatever. It's not, it's not soap, you know? Um, so as you fly away, it sort of fades to white. This isn't the it's, this isn't the last mission, but this is sort of the the end of the big conflict. You know, as you fly away, it plays a news report that like now that the president's fine again, he's happy to resume the peace talks. Which like I mean, you've just blown up Hamburg, so I don't know where you're going to negotiate now. But but you're running out of places. But you know, it cuts like a month later, uh, where like a peace deal has somehow been reached, even though it's kind of hard to say like my bad for like two invasions and like a chemical weapons attack and like presumably presumably like a death toll in the millions right but but anyways we we negotiated peace i guess no harm no harm no foul what's a few like chemical attacks between friends but even though the war is over like like everyone the entire every world government including russia who had their president kidnapped just forgets about makarov i guess everyone except captain price and yuri who just like hate makarov everyone else forgets about him um and uh you know in the final mission you know, Price and Yuri track him down to like just a hotel in Dubai. Like he's not hiding at all. He's just is in he a hotel, Andrew Tate? In, like one of the biggest cities in the world. So you just you is just he mark Andrew Tate. Was it? Is it Andrew Tate? Smoke um, a cigar. Is he? Yeah, actually, Makarov is one of the co-founders of Hustlers University. Yeah, this is this is this is that was that was his that was his um yeah that was his resounding like more than World War Three like Hustlers University is really where he uh, where he took it to in the next level in terms of villainy. Um, so yeah, so in addition to kicking Andrew Tate off of like Facebook and social media, Captain Price and Yuri, you know, they go into uh, they go into get uh, they go into get Makarov. Uh, you play as Price here. You don't play as Yuri. Uh, you fight your way to the roof where Makarov's trying to escape, and like he's trying to escape off the roof in a helicopter. Like he's cornered himself and he's trying to get out by by a helicopter. Um, on the way, Yuri like Yuri gets impaled through the chest with some rebar, which is pretty gnarly. Um, and he's like he's like pretty he's like pretty grievously wounded. It's like right through his like lung, I think. And he's like and he's like no 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 leave me go get Makarov. Like we aren't characters anymore. We just exist to kill Makarov now. So go do that. And Price is like you don't have to tell me twice. 
Um, so like Price sees Makarov taking off in his helicopter, and this is where it turns into like like it's been stupid before, but he like jumps onto the bottom of the helicopter uh, and like causes it to crash back onto the roof, which is mostly glass. Like it's like it's like you know you're you're maybe like thirty feet or maybe thirty meters right like above above ground. You just crash back down, and you're like more or less in one piece still. Um, this kills both the pilots, which is very convenient. Um, and so like you and Makarov like both stumble out. Uh, you know, and, and there's, like, a gun, and so you're both, like, reaching for it, but Makarov gets there first, and he's, like, about to shoot you, you know, he's got the gun to your face, and then Yuri shows up, uh, and starts, like, shooting at Makarov. He, like, wings him, uh, but Makarov just turns around and shoots him, like, dead. Like, it's not, it's not really, like, it's not really a dramatic moment, it's just kind of, like, a side thing, like, oh, Yuri just existed to get, like, shot in this one scene. But it's okay, because Captain Price uses that as an opportunity to, like, jump him. Uh, so he, so he like, he like, he like tackles him and knocks the gun away and then just starts like, just starts like wailing on him, just starts like beating the shit out of him. Like it's a UFC fight. Uh, he, he, he then like ties a steel cable around his neck to choke him. And then they're on a glass ceiling. Then he drops both of them through the glass ceiling, uh, snapping his neck and like leaving him like leaving Makarov like hanged there. And you kind of land on a balcony and like apparently apparently you're okay because you're like a superhero and you can survive like two two consecutive massive falls uh and then you and then you uh since you're captain price you light a celebratory cigar and and you hear sirens approaching and and that's the end of the modern warfare trilogy like this is this is that's that's how the story ends captain price is has nothing left in his life and has murdered and has murdered the bad guy and uh and and that's the and that's sort of where they decided to leave it um do you guys did you guys what did you guys think of that do you think that was a satisfying conclusion do you think that was realistic <laughs> the hotel the hotel in dubai drop sequence well i think realism we passed <laughs> way past the point of realism now in, in, in the last <laughs> two podcasts already so i think also you can see that i don't know if it infinity war infinity war made it or yeah um you can see that there's a drop infinity off. ward and sledgehammer all right. Yeah, you can see that there is a a drop off, obviously, for the interest in the story. You know, as, as you go through the mm. the franchise. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I don't think. Um, I think it was short, you know, because the, by Modern Warfare Three, obviously, the emphasis on multiplayer was there. Um, oh yeah. So yeah, that's my two cents. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they by the time, yeah. But I mean, by the time by the time of Modern Warfare three, like, there's no there's no real like big story moments really. Like, if if you think about like what's in sort of people's memory, or like they remember the sniper stuff from Call of Duty four. You know, they remember the nuke from Call of Duty four. They even they remember you know General Shepard and stuff from from Modern Warfare two and, and defending DC. But there's no real like memorable moments from Modern Warfare three, and that's sort of a that's sort of a trend that continues after this. Like, I think the only like the only notable story thing with Call of Duty was the meme about um, press F to pay respects. I think from like That's advanced where warfare from? a couple years later, and that was just because that was a meme. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I always press, wondered press about F to that. pay respects. Okay. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I guess the airport scene too from, from yeah. So uh, so no Ru- remember no Russian. Oh yeah, yeah yeah the airport scene and mm-hmm. yeah I remember no Russian and there was the um. In Black Ops, which we didn't cover, but you know maybe we'll cover Black Ops as its own sort of thing later. But uh, they, they they have like the numbers, Mason. What do they mean? And th- that was sort of a that was sort of a, a moment that was sort of big. But Modern Warfare Three and beyond, like they're really it's really no longer about like the, the like the story or the plot or anything like that. It really is just a vehicle to get you to play the multiplayer, um, which is fair. I mean, the multiplayer is you know. Uh, tons of fun, and and that's where you get a lot of replayability. But it is a shame, and it's sort of reflected in in, in what you see here. Um, um, I guess the other the other observation I had was that, uh, like all of the all of the set pieces in Call of, Call of Duty Four, like by this point they just feel quaint. You know what I mean? Mm. Like in Call of Duty Four, there's there's a sequence where like a tank, like an Abrams tank, drives over like a car, and it like you know pancakes the car, and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And then, like, by Modern Warfare 3, you're like, you know, you're like, oh, what, that's it? Like, you should be driving over every car. Like, in, like there's a sequence in this game where you're, you're in an Abrams, 
and you're on those, you know, those like multi-story car parking lots where they have like the concrete ramps that go up, right? So you're on one of the concrete ramps and like literally the tank collapses the concrete ramp and then you like pancake your way down uh, through the collapsing thing, like four or five stories. And that's just like something that happens in the middle of the mission. And everyone's like, oh yeah, that's a normal thing. Uh, that's like, that's like, it's, it's just like, it's like a, that's how high our tolerance has gotten to like insane, insane stuff happening in the franchise that by like Modern Warfare 3, they have to like, they have to make it like science fiction, essentially. Which is essentially what they also transition into after that, right? Because that's kind of when they started going into like infinite warfare or advanced warfare. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. 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 Call of Duty Ghosts is like near future and then like advanced warfare is like space and and kevin spacey and all that stuff uh and they (laughs) and and like up until 2019 it was sort of in that direction of like science fictiony stuff like not really that emphasis on plot and it was that like 2019 modern warfare reboot where i don't know i think i think our interests like as as viewers and as audiences were more into like grit and stuff like like you know like if you know if you look at like batman right like the new batman's like really gritty or if you look at like I don't know, action movies, you know, people are more into like John Wick and stuff than like bad boys. So there was an interest in like, you know, grit and ugliness and, and, and sort of real or or like the aesthetic of realism. Um, and I think that like, I think, I think that like the next, you know, if we, if we get into the new, the new modern warfare is like, it's going to be a lot more of like, it's going to be a lot less like science fiction-y, but it's going to be a lot more like, (laughs) like gruesome almost, you know, more about like the ethics and of violence and stuff like that. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, seems like the more callous society gets. Yeah, sneaking around Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, it's... God. <laughs> I mean, I heard there was, a, I heard there's a controversial mission in the new one, but I, I haven't, you know, played enough of the campaign to have experienced it. But I don't. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think they literally. I mean, I mean, I haven't played it either. But my understanding is that it's almost like a blow by blow of like killing Soleimani. Uh, the the oh, the wow. uh, the Iranian the Iranian yeah, general yeah. that was killed in wow. Iraq a couple of years back, uh, which is which is which is like fairly tasteless. I mean, like you know, I'm I'm not I'm not like I'm not like shedding tears for for Soleimani or anything, but it is like it, mm-hmm. that is like a real event yeah. that happened. Jeez. Um, there is also going back to Amsterdam. Um, this is this is only semi related, but there is a there is a 1980s slasher movie called oh, Amsterdam. Oh, uh, and I think and I think it's on I think it's on Amazon Prime. I think yeah. I think uh, for the Prime. Video, I know it. Uh, it's it's so good. It's, uh, I think it's, <laughs> it's made so by. He's very famous science fiction. Dick Moss. Uh, Dick Moss, yeah. Dick Moss is a big time uh, director. And he decided to make a slasher movie in Amsterdam. Yeah, I mean, I think he, that's how he like kind of like started off his career. But it's it's like a cult classic in the Netherlands. Wow. Yeah, like the like the guy, the guy's like he's got like a leather jacket and he smokes. Oh he's like the coolest guy in the <laughs> Netherlands. If that's if that's the standard, holy hell! <laughs> I mean, when I was when I landed, you know, when I landed in the Netherlands, I was the hey, coolest guy in the Netherlands. But then I turned again, so it was sort of like a you know, it was sort of like a, I felt I felt cool. You feel cool in in Schiphol it's in their so in their nice. airport because they got like a library in there. They got like a um, yeah, they got like a they got like a little art gallery, especially in the international terminal. I don't know what the domestic terminals are like. But um, uh, but yeah, you feel you feel you feel very like cosmopolitan Jeez. in those. So I just had to like look it up quickly. But Dick Maas, the main thing he's famous for, it's not it's not outside of the Netherlands. It's inside. He created uh, a sitcom and a movie series on this family. And if there's Dutch people listening, they will they will know this uh, at least. If you're from my generation, a little bit younger, but it was a family called Flutter, and it was like basically <laughs> the concept of the Beverly Hillbillies, right? That's kind of like the the, the concept. They they move uh, uh, a family from like the Dutch like uh, social housing, you know, into like a very mm-hmm. fancy neighborhood. And hilarity ensues. <laughs> That's good. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a comedy, but it's a comedy series, but it's really funny. Um, mm. That's what he's mainly known for. But Amsterdam is just like 
It's like a cult classic. You know, it's not that big. Bob. It was. It's actually the prequel story to Captain Bryce. That's why he was. That's why he was wandering around there. Surely, surely. I mean, was what? What was he doing there, Michael? Was he like? Was it like above board? Like, couldn't he have talked to like the government of the Netherlands and be like, "Hey, I." Barely- <laughs> I don't know. I got to like the intro, like the beginning of the scene, and I was like, "All right, I gotta like, <laughs> I'm gonna do something else." I'm not usually a Call of Duty campaign guy. I was just, it was just mostly like, I might, I might give it a shot, but I think he was, it was just starting the scene, and he was like, he was, I want to say he was in some sort of a watercraft, <laughs> but I could be completely making that up. He was, he was somewhere mm-hmm. like perched under a tunnel or something. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember the details, but damn. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I remember from the the first the first reboot, the, so the twenty nineteen one, like there's there's some pretty wild moments. Like there's 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 stuff like there's stuff like they embed they embed like a CIA guy with like the not Kurds. Like you, like the, the, they they decided to chicken out and be like, no, they're not the Kurds. They're just a different like armed ethnic minority that crosses several borders that is like you know interested interested in independence. And um, yeah, man, like like he's like a CIA officer and he's got like. He's got like a, he's got like a big fat American flag. He's supposed to be undercover. He's got like a giant American flag like on his on his um on his plate carrier and stuff and he's like he's like the he's like the whitest dude in the entire world. Like you could see, he probably like reflects light from like a mile off. And you're like, "Come on, come on, guy. Come on, guys." <laughs> like this is this is your realistic take. No, yeah. I I think I think that sums it up pretty much. I think it was a bit you know, the game was a bit deflating. I think, from what I remember, I, I've, I've watched like walkthroughs and, and I haven't played it really. But as I said in the beginning, I think the the storyline became weaker and weaker as as we went, and more money went to multiplayer and less to the to the campaign mode. Um, but uh, I think it was interesting, uh, nonetheless, to talk about it and. And, and contextualize it and, and give our uh, opinions on it. So, um, Marcel, thank you so much for walking us through again. I know you've done uh, a lot of research on it. And uh, Michael, thank you for. Yeah, I played. I played so many video games. It, for it this. was a burden. You know. Struggling. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Michael. Also. Yeah. You gotta do what you gotta do. And um, and for everybody listening, I hope it was interesting and. Uh, you guys enjoyed us tearing this game apart a little bit and uh, at the end of the day you know we understand it's entertainment but it's good to, to give our viewpoints on it and, um, I don't think uh, that's not really been done before so thank you for joining us guys or it'll, or it'll yeah. just be <laughs> there you go uh, thank <laughs> you guys and uh, speak to you guys soon bye bye